0: Welcome to Walk the Tech Talk, a podcast with host Anna Frazetto, Chief Digital Technology Officer and President of Technology Solutions at Harvey Nash, a global professional services company. On Walk the Tech Talk, Anna interviews technology leaders from across the globe and discusses how and where they are making big impacts on their industries. On this episode of Walk the Tech Talk, Anna interviews Camille Tate, a talent acquisition visionary and recruiting expert with a passion for diversity in the technology industry. As a manager of talent acquisition at the Beck Group in Dallas, Camille is on the front lines of many of the issues facing women in tech today, including the salary gap, representation in leadership, and more. Camille and Anna discuss a number of diversity and inclusion challenges evident in today's workplaces, including why it's critical for women to overcome their fear of failure, why confidence is so important in risk-taking, and how the Me Too movement has heightened awareness of the need for equality. Camille also shares her take on how companies can truly embrace diversity and inclusion, and not just use it as a buzzword. Join Anna and learn from the strategies and accomplishments of this episode's Tech Trailblazer.
1: Hello listeners and welcome back to Walk the Tech Talk. Today I have the pleasure of welcoming to the podcast talent acquisition visionary and recruiting expert Camille Tate. Camille is the manager of talent acquisition at the Beck Group in Dallas and has had extensive experience over the course of her career building high-performing tech and engineering teams. Now, Camille and I were together at an ARA event back in October, and I'm absolutely thrilled to get this one-on-one
2: time with you here today, Camille.
1: Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Anna. I'm really glad to be here.
1: Yeah, so now we had an ARA diversity and inclusion event back in Dallas last fall. It was a really great and productive time. So great, in fact, that it was so full of audience questions and discussions that we never really got the time to kind of dig into all the panel questions that we wanted to cover. So one of the reasons why I was so eager to get you on the show was to go back and look at some of these questions around women in tech and how you see these issues playing out in your everyday talent acquisition and recruitment work. Now, women are still the minority by a lot in tech companies. Tech companies, um, you know, as far as, you know, in tech teams and tech roles, the pay gap in technology persists. So I'm excited to hear your perspective on these issues. And we'd like to start with the importance of fear and risk taking, because I think that has a lot to do with it. Does that sound good?
2: Yeah, it sounds great. Um, I think that's really important to talk about fear and risk-taking in the conversation of pay gap. Fear and risk-taking is how you get to the next level. Um, we can see it in a lot of different examples with entrepreneurs these days, tech entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs. We're getting a lot more CTOs and CIOs, women in tech. Um, I think it's important to learn those stories and hear those stories so that we can use those as examples on how to kind of carve the path out for ourselves in tech. I always talk to women and I say, you know, you just have to ask for what you want. That's very important. I also think that fear and risk taking is somewhat generational. In my experience in talent acquisition, I have noticed that there's an increase of risk taking amongst millennial women and millennial minorities. They're able to have a little bit more gall and you know, directness and asking for what they want. So fear and risk taking is very important when you're talking about pay, when you're talking about owning your space, um, especially in the tech industry, just asserting yourself a little bit more is very important. And, and like you mentioned, so significant when it comes to how women are perceived, how minorities are perceived in the workplace, especially in tech.
1: I, you know, that, that's fantastic. I mean, you talk about being generational. I think that's such a great point, and actually, not a point that's discussed enough. But mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that the millennials are learning from the previous generations, and that's what's giving them the gumption to go for it. You're right. Ask for it, right? You don't know what you're going to get unless you ask for it. So great. Let's talk about overcoming the fear of failure and taking calculated risks. Now, Camille, have you heard the story about Sarah
2: Blakely, the founder of Spain? Yes, I have. And it's a great story. She used to sell fax machines, ultimately thought she was going to be an attorney like her dad, and that wasn't her path. So taking those fear and risk and, you know, coming out of selling fax machines for seven years, definitely heard that story. And it's definitely inspirational.
1: Now, as a child, I love this. Her father encouraged her to fail. Now, exactly, I just said that, encouraged her to fail. At the dinner table, he would routinely ask her, how did you fail today? Thanks to her dad's understanding of the power of failing, Sarah got comfortable embarrassing herself. So here's my question to you, Camille. How do you think women in tech can develop the confidence to make tougher, riskier
2: decisions and with results? i think that women in tech can develop confidence i always say this to people not only in tech but just in any type of space you build confidence by building your portfolio your skill set your background the more knowledge the more expertise that you gain in your particular field in your particular role that just gives you confidence to assert yourself a little bit more and make you know those riskier decisions um then if you fail You always can pick yourself back up again because you know you have the skill set. You know you have the talent to do something else. So I would always say, you know, for people in women specifically on building confidence is to have learnings and mentorship and sponsorship is very important. Not only learning in the book sense or research or uh, certifications or schooling, but also having a good mentor. As well, to build confidence and encourage you to make those tougher decisions, I think that's very important as well
1: right and you know and, and it comes down to you know having that confidence so i i love the story about you know failure is really just a learning process and it's only going to get you better and kind of get you to the next level and one of the common things that that i hear from uh, you know women in particular is you know being afraid to ask for that pay increase or ask for the next level of responsibility so let's talk about pay equity. Uh, our 2019 our women in tech survey found that more than twice as many men as women believe their company offers equal pay. So 75% versus 32%. Now, which I think that's an interesting stat all into itself. I, okay. I really feel that if we were to look under the covers, a lot of that has to do with, you know, what's personal, right? So it's personal to women. So therefore they might, they're going to have a more realistic perspective on right. the situation versus, you know, men. Uh, that are not experiencing. So how do you ensure pay parity in your company, whether it's new people joining or those in existing roles looking to move up?
2: So here at the Bet Group, we... Take a deep dive yearly into pay, into compensation for our industry, for the different skill sets across the company. We do several industry surveys. Um, we also have my uh, CHRO, my boss. She attends regularly conferences that talk about compensation in our industry on every level. Um, one thing that we do outside of performance reviews are, you know, our teams get our operational teams in each region. They get together and literally go line by line on every employee to make sure. That they're in the right band, um, that their pay is competitive against their experience and their tenure within the company. So I think that it's important that leaders, you know, top and also middle management take a look at on a regular basis everyone's pay and make sure that regardless if it's a man or woman minority or, you know, anything outside of that, that everyone is being paid fair and equal. And I think that's something that we do really well here at the VET group by really having those one-on-one conversations with all of our regions about each and every individual employee, making sure that they're being paid equally and fairly. And so I think that's something that a lot of companies should do.
1: Exactly. You know, I was just recently uh, in Houston at a SIM event and the topic of pay equity came up and the responsibility, you know, one of the overarching theme of the event was that the responsibility falls on the CEO of an organization to ensure that there is pay equality within their company. And, you know, and now you could say, oh my goodness, this is a fortune, you know, 500 company. How can they possibly know? But they should power their HR to Absolutely. do internal salary surveys, exactly mm-hmm. what you've described so that mm-hmm. you can ensure you have the tools in place to ensure that that equality takes place versus having any kind of gap whatsoever. So now at what advice would you give to women who are concerned they're not being paid at level to you know to their male counterpart?
2: I would say to women that that have that concern to have the conversation. I remember earlier in my recruiting career, I felt like not necessarily being paid like my male peers, but I felt like the work that I was doing, what I was bringing of value to the table wasn't being compensated for. And so I just had to set up a meeting with, with my boss and I presented him all the things that I had been moving the needle on and all the projects that I had been completing for the company how we were moving forward in the talent acquisition space. And this was when I was working, you know, for a a larger size tech company. And he said, Camille, you're right. Thank you for asking we're going to give you a salary adjustment. And that conversation turned into not me. And it was off cycle as well. It it doesn't have to be during your regular performance review. If you need to have a conversation about pay equity or you feel something's gone awry with your compensation, you take the opportunity to gather the facts and all the value that you add to the organization and set up a meeting. Don't be afraid. As long as you're armed with facts and you know what value you bring to the organization, you have the permission to ask for what you need. And I would able to get a significant adjustment to my salary to bring me equal to some of my peers. So I think you just have to have the conversation and be armed with facts.
1: Absolutely. Armed with facts. That's so important. You know, we, we always encourage that the conversations take place, but the one equal to that point is that you need to make sure that you have the facts that kind of backs up the substance of what you're asking for. So, 100% agree. I have to share a story be, before we kind of move on to the next topic. At the sim event that I was just at this week, as I had mentioned, there was a gentleman in the audience who shared a story about his two daughters. And since they uh, were of the age of five years old, he pretty much told them that they need to come to him and you know their mom on an annual basis to present why they need an increase in their allowance Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I thought that was, you know, first of all, remarkable. And of course, he explained, like, when they were five years old, you really got nothing, you know, of substance back. But now that they're 10 and 12, he's seen the progression. And what it's done is it's built confidence Absolutely. in his
2: daughters. Mm-hmm. And it's
1: become, like, normal for them to know to ask for more money.
2: Right. Absolutely. I think that's a great point in building that confidence. I do see, however, sometimes we have, like, new graduates that have been out of school for two years or three years and they expect to be making six figures. And while I applaud that, in a lot of industries that's a very <laughs> admirable ask to a new graduate out of school asking for six figures. I think that to have the conversation as well, to have that confidence, but also be realistic, I think that's very important as well when talking about building confidence and things like that. I have seen uh, the opposite end of the spectrum happen sometimes. We're talking to a recent graduates and things like that, and especially in tech, um, being very aggressive with their numbers. I mean, hey, if you can get it, <laughs> go ahead and, and shoot for the stars. But it's important that we are realistic as well.
1: Exactly. I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. The, having the facts and the figures as far as the value that you're bringing to the organization is so important, and it's got to mm-hmm. relate to then the compensation that you get for that. Yeah, so now looking in the Women in Tech survey, we uncovered an interesting key finding that we called the backlash trend. So let me explain. Prior to the, you know, hashtag MeToo movement, the percentage of women who experienced an unwelcome work environment and unfair treatment was higher than the year of the hashtag MeToo happened. So this year, it's back to what it was before, little to no progress statistically speaking, but the interesting observation is actually with men. the number of men who now feel like they're in an uncomfortable environment has significantly increased from previous years. So now here's the question to you, Camille. Have we gone so far in pushing for change and accountability in the tech industry that we're feeling a bit of backlash from men? And now men are feeling as though opportunities for their own advancement are at risk? What are your thoughts?
2: Um, uh, that's an interesting question. I just think that the movement itself, powered by the power of social media, I just think that it's made men more aware and maybe they're being a little bit more cautious. But I don't. I definitely don't think that men feel that the opportunities for their own advancement are risk are at risk. I just feel like um, they may feel more aware and more timid um, when possibly interacting with women. But, you know, that's where especially leadership or management, um, that's where I call them to the carpet. And being responsible for your actions, being conscious of your actions, that's very important, but it should not hinder the opportunities of others. That's how we got the EEOC, right? People not being fair and equitable in the workplace. So I just think that I mean, what one thing the Me Too movement brought to attention is these things happen in the workplace, but I think it's uh, leadership and people that interact on a day-to-day basis in the workplace just to take responsibility for their actions. And if you take John to lunch, you know, and his peer is Sally, you know, you need to take her, her to lunch as well, being fair and equitable, you know, despite, you know, what's going on. Um, in the Me Too movement, I think that one of the things that has to be looked upon is equality and, you know, is that person treating everyone fairly? And, you know, it's just like my dad said, if you're not doing anything, you shouldn't worry about it. So that's kind of the same way I think about this. If, you know, you're not doing anything and everything that you're doing is above board, I don't think that men should have a worry about their own advancement in the workplace.
1: Exactly, I couldn't agree with you more. I think me too accomplished is raising awareness and highlighting you know certain issues in industries across the board. Um, and so therefore you know let let's start paying attention to those things and create a fair work environment. And again, the tone I feel strongly is and and, and I keep hearing over and over from folks that I talk to is set from the CEO, right The CEO mm-hmm. establishes the culture of an organization and the CEO sets the tone for this fair and equitable, um, you know, work environment. Okay, so and finally, I would love for you to give some insights on what you think is really working when it comes to diversity and inclusion efforts. You know, what programs, what strategies, and what leadership initiatives do you think are actually improving workplaces and opportunities for minority
2: talent? Right. I think that's a great question. Of course, you know, Anna, that diversity and inclusion, I mean, it's, you know, you see it everywhere now, and I think it's awesome that we're having the conversations. It's important that organizations not make it a buzzword or just a box to check or a thing to do because it's, you know, gaining ground and, you know, become kind of this thing. I think that diversity and inclusion, it kind of stems here at our organization at the Bet Group. We have two values that you have to have to work here and that's caring and integrity. I feel like if we invoke those values that diversity and inclusion falls into place. Um the Bet Group is in the architecture, construction and engineering industry. So it's already male dominated, um, not a lot of African Americans, you know, Hispanic Americans in our industry. So we have to work, you know, extra hard to make ourselves inclusive and diverse. And we have to put ourselves out there and have the conversation. So one of the things that we do here at the BET group is we have unconscious bias trainings and workshops. I think that's very important because our employees are seeing that uh, getting to know other employees and they're learning about people's backgrounds and. Experiences Experiences, and that's just made it better for their interactions personally and professionally. Um, we have follow up lunch bot pledges to continue the conversation on a personal basis um, between employees to have lunches to learn about each other. Um, one thing that we also want to do um, is have like recruiting socials so that people are aware that we are open, we are inclusive, we want to get to know you. So those are some things that we're going to plan in the future. Also, we're having panel discussions and forums where our leadership and even external uh, leaders in our industry are coming in to talk about diversity and inclusion and what that looks like in our industry. Also, when it comes to minorities in terms of women, putting together family leave programs and things like that and making sure that we make it an environment welcoming them to come back after they have a child and things like that. So putting together, and these are small things that companies can do um, to kind of push forward the diversity and inclusion initiatives.
1: Oh, that's fantastic, Camille. Great insight. And hopefully I know that the audience is probably going to want to reach out to you. What's the best way for folks to reach out to you if they have any questions in regards to what we talked about?
2: I think the number one way for people to reach out to me because, of course, I'm a recruiter is on LinkedIn <laughs> and it's just Camille H. Tate on LinkedIn, um, the Bet Group. So people can reach out to me there and I'd be glad to answer any questions.
1: Fantastic. Well, listen, Camille, thank you so much for
2: your time today. Truly enjoyed mm-hmm. it and very insightful. Thank you so much, Anna, for
0: having me. You have a great day. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk the Tech Talk. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to keep up to date with Walk the Tech Talk, please subscribe by heading over to your iTunes app. While you're there, please rate the podcast and let us know what you like the most about it in the review section. Thank you and happy listening.